Friends, I have long looked forward to the excitement of Easter Day. In my teens and early 20s, hymns at the church where I worshipped then were played by a 20-strong band accompanied in later verses by the organ. And then at the church that I found myself um, when I first moved to London, one of our organists loved to improvise, leaving us in no doubt that thine be the glory. And in my final year of pre-ordination training, Easter school, always in Canterbury, ended on Easter morning for the first time ever. And it was concluded with a student-led service very early in the morning. We ourselves have been excited already um, this morning to mark the celebration that is Easter day. But this tradition of ours to celebrate the risen Christ with exuberance masks somewhat the true character of that first resurrection morning. And Mark takes us back to the night before that day. Mary Magdalene, Mary mother of James and Salome, bought spices on what we call Saturday evening or Easter Eve. We meet them for the first time at the end of Mark's account of Jesus' crucifixion, not in today's reading, when they watched from a distance, we are told. These women had provided for Jesus in Galilee and had accompanied him to Jerusalem. Devoted to his service in life, they now wanted to express their devotion to him by anointing his body, a traditional Jewish custom. Given the consequences of crucifixion for the human body and the deterioration that would have occurred since the burial two days earlier, the women's intention was no ordinary act. There was no other way to express their profound grief. And in their grief, they had no expectation of Jesus' resurrection. As we journey with them on that first day of the week, a little after six o'clock in the morning, towards the tomb, where Mary Magdalene and Mary, mother of James and Joseph, had seen Joseph of Arimathea bury Jesus. We find the three women in conversation, wondering who would help them by rolling the stone at the entrance to the tomb away. One can imagine the women's anxiety because concern about practicalities is a very human way of coping with grief. But here we know also from other accounts that the disciples were in hiding. The women were taking a chance that someone would be prepared to help them. No men, it turns out, were needed when they reached the tomb the stone has already been rolled back. Now Mark, forever Spartan in his account of all things in the gospel, does not tell us what the women felt at that moment. Instead, the story continues with them going into the tomb. Relieved perhaps that they were able to enter, we don't know, intent on anointing Jesus' body, 
they did not question why or how the stone was out of place. It's what they find inside the tomb that troubles them. On entering, they're greeted by what Mark describes as a young man wearing a white robe, symbolising an angel, an angelic appearance. The women's reaction is, that, is one of alarm. Now, the angel tries some words of comfort, do not be alarmed. But this uh, feeling of alarm in the Greek is, is quite difficult to um, characterize it in, in, in English, but it's sort of fears of, of, of uh, feelings of fear and wonder, astonishment and distress all rolled into one. An incredible tension for each of those women. And the angel says, do not be alarmed. Tells them that Jesus of Nazareth that they are looking for has been raised to life. Almost a mild rebuke. You are looking for Jesus of Nazareth. Well, he's not here. He has been raised. And he invites them to see with their own eyes that the tomb is empty. Jesus, the body, is not there. Jesus has been raised. This is the testimony. And he, the angel, instructs the women to tell the disciples, and Peter particularly, that Jesus is going before them to Galilee, where he will meet them. Galilee being of huge significance in Mark's gospel. The women's response isn't perhaps what we might expect, and it's very abrupt. They leave. They leave without any hint of question being posed, conversation taking place. In fact, they flee. And as one commentator says in that final verse of the reading that John read for us in Mark's gospel, there's no fewer than seven negative responses from these women hearing the angelic message. They flee the tomb. They are trembling. It's expressed in our reading as terror, but trembling is probably a, a better rendition. And amazed. They're afraid. They say nothing to anyone. That's it. Easter last year came at the beginning of a global coronavirus pandemic that has caused the death of millions, afflicted millions more, and continues to be prevalent throughout the globe. Back then, our sisters and brothers at Kreuzkirche Leipzig sent us a message in which they began we are all impacted and deeply worried. What will happen? When will the acute danger be over? What will we learn from this crisis? The very human feeling of fear is palpable in those initial words of greeting. It is perhaps hard to cast one mind, one's mind back to reimagine how one felt around a year ago. We have had so many different feelings in the year since. What I recall is the initial solidarity with which the nation seemed to begin our first lockdown, as the papers called it on the morning of the 24th of March. There was an outpouring of neighbourliness 
with people offering to shop or do errands for those self-isolating. We clapped and made a noise in thanks for the NHS. And then the death toll began to rise. On Holy Saturday, the Guardian front page headline last year read, the lives cut short accompanied by numerous pictures of those who had died of COVID-19. We neither knew then how many more lives would be tragically cut short in the year that followed, nor the many other effects the pandemic would have on the nation. 12 days ago, on the anniversary of the start of the first lockdown, the nation was invited to engage in a national day of reflection. It was a moment to remember families and friends of those who have died from COVID-19, who have not been able to commemorate the life of their loved one or say goodbye in the way that they would want. It was a moment to remember that some have lost their job during the pandemic or those who worry that they will lose their job in the months to come and are struggling to know how they will make ends meet in the months and years to come. It was a moment of sadness that our initial solidarity has fragmented and some in society have felt the rules don't apply to them. It was a moment to recall the lost time for learning by school children and the difficult task teachers face in helping them keep up. It was a moment to acknowledge the immense scientific endeavor that has given us vaccines against coronavirus. The hope of which Belinda spoke at the beginning of worship. And it was a moment too to recognize that we share in the world's fight against coronavirus and cannot beat it in isolation. Some of these positive aspects of reflecting and looking back cannot displace last year's deep worry and wondering what will happen of our sisters and brothers in Leipzig, which if not heightened, at least remains. We cannot yet say that the pandemic is in retreat around the globe, even if it is so here. And even when we can look around the globe and say, and say it is in retreat worldwide, its effects will continue to be profound. The disorientation in our lives that we continue to experience, including of necessity, celebrating Easter Day, not in our sanctuary at Hind Street Methodist Church, but in our homes, begs the question, where is the risen Christ? We have shouted, he is risen. Where is he? in the situation in which we find ourselves. Mary Magdalene, mother, Mary, mother of James and Joseph, and Salome, were told by the angel in the tomb that the disciples and they would find Jesus of Nazareth, Nazareth in Galilee. Their fear led them to say nothing of what they had seen or been told. 
And Mark abruptly ends his gospel there. That's it. For him, the choice that faced his hearers is between faith and fear. Faith comes from hearing the gospel. Literally, he has been raised. That's the gospel for Mark. He has been raised. And personal encounter with the risen Christ. Not signs. And fear stems from unbelief in what is possible for God. We face, do we not, a similar choice in the midst of the global coronavirus pandemic. Do we allow our human capacity to worry and wonder, fear, to turn into unbelief in the possibility of 21st century resurrections? Or do we allow ourselves instead as a community of faith in the resurrection of Christ from the dead to see fresh opportunities to proclaim the gospel in the mould of Peter, as we heard him proclaim the resurrection of Christ to the early church in the account that Rebecca read from Acts. Just as the risen Christ went ahead of the disciples to Galilee, he is ahead of us now. That is where the risen Christ is for you and for me. And he is inviting us to discern where that is and in faith to go there to meet with him and share in proclaiming the gospel in the 21st century. We are not in the sanctuary at Hind Street this Easter day, but we have a global reach on the web. Christ is already there in the thousands of web pages devoted to the gospel. So in what ways can we share in God's mission online? We have recalled the millions globally whose lives have been cut short by COVID-19 and families and friends bereaved, unable to mark deaths in the way they would want to. Yet we've gained a new way of doing so in participating in funerals online. Christ is already there alongside those who weep. In what ways can we share in God's mission to the bereaved? The pandemic has shone a light on our NHS, healthcare provision and on care homes. Some of us, our members, work in the NHS. We operate a registered care home and one of the regular voices explaining the impact of the pandemic on care homes has been Sam Moynihan, MHA or Methodist Homes Chief Executive. Christ is already there beside those caring for the dying or those afflicted by coronavirus. Those separated from family because they live in a care home. And those treating other disease and illness. In what ways can we share in God's mission in the health and care sector? Work and workplaces are being changed by the pandemic. We do not yet fully know how, but it is immense. Christ is already with those who work, those put out of work, and those who have to decide to put people out of work. Christ is already in the spaces in our homes that have become workplaces 
as well as the traditional places where work is done? In what ways can we share in God's mission in the workplace? You will have your own thoughts and reflections about where it is that Jesus is ahead of us and where he wants us to go. The defining image of the National Day of Reflection will surely be the grass cross installed in the nave of Winchester Cathedral, adorned with spring flowers and outlined by lit candles. It symbolised resurrection and new life. The cross being empty, the grass from which it was made being lush, the flowers still small and with the potential to grow. In the words of John MacLeod Campbell Crumb, now the green blade riseth from the buried grave. In the grave they laid him, love who had been slain. Forth he came at Easter, like the risen grain. Angels are speaking to you and I, as the angel did to Mary, Mary and Salome. Christ has been raised. Christ is present. Christ invites us to go to meet him in a world indelibly marked by a pandemic and share in God's mission. May your Easter day be filled with faith in the risen Christ, whose triumph over death gives us eternal hope in the power of God to speak love into the world's messiness. Alleluia, Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. <laughs>